is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. To say that the Toronto Maple Leafs beat Anaheim last night wouldn't do it justice. Ugh. That was a shellacking. Welcome to the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. I'm Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Sammy McKee, and we welcome back Jen Rolnick. Hey! Big wave from Jen. Was that a straight-up trade, Frank the Tank, for Jen Rolnick? Was there anything else involved? She had to clear waivers back to the minors, I think, to, after she to, returned from injury. We're going to throw in a second to get Jen back. First <laughs> of all, we made Frank the Tank a star, Okay. <laughs> He ain't going back to the minors. If people could see Frank with his beautiful long gray locks and his, you know, CrossFit physique, I think he'd be <laughs> a popular gentleman. Bit of a weapon, that Frank. Bit of a weapon. <laughs> Frank could be 28 or 58, and I would not be surprised. I have absolutely no clue. If Frank the Tank's working on Fallon... You know, next week, I wouldn't be that surprised. That's what we do here. We're like, is that the tank? Hey, the tank himself. Yes, he's, on he's gone on to bigger and better things. Took over for Paul Schaefer. No no questions asked. That guy's still around? I don't know. So, Sammy. Um, yes, sir. I think when we ended yesterday's show, I think you threw out a prediction of 7-1, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I can't, you Leafs I can't, hater? I can't remember. Was it 7 nothing or 7-1? No, it was 7-1. You gave him a goal. Crap. I should have said 7 nothing, but I also said Austin Matthews would score four goals, and he merely got an assist. Yeah, so. don't, don't, uh, listen, I'm, I've built you up there. Don't, yeah. don't, don't strip yourself back down. Listen, I, I mean, I heard a lot of trap game talk. People Justifiably were, people so. People were saying that, and we had the conversation, like, oh, well, this, this would be a spot the old Leafs. No, it wasn't. The Ducks are just too bad. You know what else, too? The Ducks were off a tail end of a back-to-back. They got shut out the night before by so Ottawa. They, they, so that's almost as if they didn't play the night before. <laughs> that, that doesn't. When you don't score the night before, that doesn't shouldn't count. count for like half a game. Yeah. Well, Not they, a full game. Well, then they have combined over those two games to play one full game because, yeah, they didn't score in either contest. They couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat oh man i i tweeted like do you think the trainers had to wash the equipment after the game like they had to wash jerseys or they just fold them right back up for the next match like that looked like we'll we'll get into uh, toronto but that's the type of game that gets your head coach fired oh man yes i agree in toronto in this market to pull lay an egg like that I mean, the amount of times guys were just standing beside the guy shooting it in the net. I wrote an article today on on some of that, but, you know, Bunting's goal, there's a guy standing beside him. And Joey Anderson's goal, there's a guy standing beside him. John Tavares' goal, he's wearing a guy like a backpack. You know, and Mitch Marner's wearing Zegras on his, on his back for that goal too. Like, And that's coming off of uh, hiring a new general manager in Pat Verbeek, building a new uh, department, and... You want your head coach, Dallas, to to at least have them lose games on a better look than that. Like yeah. They have to show up. You, Everybody knows that they don't have the talent to compete, but... Neither do a lot of teams. Arizona doesn't. But you should have enough to battle and to, to show that the issues with the team are on us to get more talent yeah. here. 
not looking at you and saying, hey, guys, you can't mail it in. No, you can't just not try. Look at the first goal the Leafs score. Connor Timmons is standing behind the net, a set breakout, so that the Ducks can get into their set forecheck. They get to pick where their players are on the ice. He makes one pass to Pierre Engvall, and it's a three-on-two. Like, how does it break down that badly that quickly? Do they not know where to stand? Do they not want to do what the coach wants him to do? I thought the most embarrassing part of the whole night was that story they told in the broadcast about him getting that picture taken down. You know what? I said the same thing. And he's, he's like, it was a draw? I'm like, oh, my God. So it gets that was, it's it really I thought, was he joking? He must have been joking that it was but, a draw. No, it didn't come across as a, a I joke. I don't know. The way that she was talking about Anyways. Okay, hold on. Just There's some people that didn't hear the whole story, so why don't you reiterate? Well, there are I, pictures of him fighting... Well, the, one of the, the famous picture of Wendell Clark where he's looking like Just Ali. looking like he's a got, rough He's guy. got the, the, the hand in front of him, and there's a Winnipeg jet lying on the Dallas ground. Dallas Higgins is the guy is that the guy. Wendell Clark, Clark fought in a team picture yes. where Wendell's up, Dallas is down. And the helmet's kind of like down over his face a little bit on Wendell. It's a famous picture. It looks cool as hell. They, yeah. they reported that Dallas didn't like the picture. When he because, was an assistant with the Leafs. Because it didn't kind of show the whole story, story of the fight. Yeah. 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 So he asked them to remove it off the wall? Yeah. This is the picture, yeah. It's a great picture. It is. Uh, that one's hanging on a lot of uh, man caves across, and across they were like, Canada. So he had the picture removed, and he came back now, and there's still a picture up. And it's like, oh. oh, oh. <laughs> like I, was, I, I heard that. I was like, oh, my God. I was cringing. Yeah. And the, 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 the shots of him on the bench, he looked like a man. What are you broken man. To do last night? That's the horrible thing. Like, they're just obviously, they hate playing hockey. They're going into every different rink. They're getting spanked by everyone. They don't win ever. And what do you tell, what does he go into the locker room after the second period and say? Well, how many times can you go in and say, have some pride? Have some pride in your own career. Have some pride in, you know, where do you want to be in this league? And, you know, what are we, you know, there's, right? I mean, you're in the NHL. And it wasn't uh, that far removed where we saw this team beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. And how did that Zegris <laughs> on a really good effort in overtime if my yeah, yeah, six right. concussions yeah, you got it. aren't Sh- kicking in right shot, now. Shot it into the net. Over Shulgren. But last night he did play, right? Last night Zegris did play. He did. He had one shot, was minus two. And I thought his most meaningful contribution was when he actually was pissed off at David Camp and he gave him a little shot in the, at the, end of the, game. the lower back with the stick and then David Camp kind of shouldered him in the head and there was a little bit of a scrum. First time you noticed him. 100%. And for a guy that has Michigan-like moves, yeah, that that should not happen. Well, we mentioned it yesterday, though. It's just like it's impossible to look good on that team. It is. They're playing but- with no structure. What are you supposed to? They have no, no I don't buy play. that for no, one second. You don't. He's too talented, and he can find ways to stand out uh, in his shifts. Kipper, the Marner goal. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pull up things intermittently while we're chatting. But the Marner goal, Zegris is flying the zone. I, I don't have it up, but he's flying the zone as the weak side wing as the puck comes around, looking for whatever cheating, cheating. And then so when it gets turned over, Marner's. You know, got easy access to the net, and he's he's on his hip. And this is the stuff we had Niedermeyer on yesterday, who's like, part of what he's doing is working with the young guys and basically trying to convince them that it's not just about, you know, doing fancy stuff and demonstrating your skill, but helping your team win hockey games. 
And last night, no one was helping their team win hockey games. John Klingberg last night, minus four. Uh, oh, yeah, I was supposed to be a would you trade, trip. I didn't even Would you trade that. Timmons for Klingberg straight up? <laughs> salary's notwithstanding. Three assists. Salary's notwithstanding. Three assists yes. for oh. one guy, yeah. minus four for the, the other. There, there might be something to him playing pretty good against AHL-level competition. Well, that's, yeah. So the Ducks last night represent AHL and a half, like a team say. between Listen, the uh, AHL and the, NHL. The, and Klingberg, sorry. I was, I was just going to say, like, uh, like, there should be a division two. Right? <laughs> Actually, that should was be the, the post-game show. That's what JD said. Is a like, division two. He's well, like, you can't that, tell me an NHL year? team could be. Yeah, we've league? done it last year. The Elite League? Yeah, we did. Yeah, the Elite we League. Did. They're not in it. No, no, they're they're not in the Elite League. But the other guy, one other Leaf had three points last night, if I'm not mistaken. Do you know who it was, Sammy, if I already told you, don't say it? No, oh, Kerfoot had two. Yeah. But he didn't have three points? No, the other guy was Engel. Pontus Holmberg. So you got Timmons and Holmberg with three points each leading the way for the Leafs. Kerfoot scores twice. Engvall gets on the board. It really is. It's an eight and a half team where those guys have an easier time. You know, compared to, and by the way, Nylander, who used to get a hard time for racking up points against the easy competition, bagels. Yeah, I think that actually is good for him. Me too. He's the only Toronto Maple Leaf, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, there's there's actually another line worth of guys. The Camp Morgan Reese line didn't uh, didn't get points. That in itself is a good sign outside of, yeah, it's Anaheim, is that you're really starting to see some balance out of uh, the bottom six now for for being more of a threat here. And they're they're nice goals. I mean, when you see Angville going top shelf, it's it's not a bad look right now. No, good for their confidence for sure. And I think we actually, we have Sheldon on that since we're talking about it. Should we? To me though, just, I mean, I, I feel like I'm being the pessimistic one here though, but with that's the dream game for Pierre Angville. And, Kerfoot. Let's throw Kerfoot in there. Like right? a bad team playing with yes. zero physicality, letting yeah. those two guys fly through the neutral zone. No. It has to be said. Like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I mean, it's hard to really measure, you know. like It's good. I think it's good, the confidence factor, that you see it go in the net, you're feeling good, maybe that carries over, but you're going to play the New York Rangers next. It's not going to look like that. It is funny, though. It, it was reminiscent of, like, taking a dog to a dog park, like you got, like, an Aussie Shepherd or something, and throw They're just like... <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, this, this is, is great. great. <laughs> Throw it again. <laughs> just having a field day out there last night. Um, but yeah, so Keith on the bottom six contributing, I think, is the clip. What are you going to do? Not score, right? Make sure in the net. You can only play who you're playing. That's right. Yeah, I think it's great for their confidence. Um, you know, I, I think a, a lot of those guys you mentioned have been doing a really good job for us. I haven't necessarily gotten rewarded for it offensively. But uh, have done a lot of really good things, and, and you know, through games like this, maybe you can get some traction with some guys, and you're able to get them on the ice more, get a little more rhythm uh, for them. I thought Holmberg's third period was outstanding both ways. Made plays with the puck, some of the defensive plays, and getting back and winning pucks back were great. It's nice to see Julie Anderson uh, score a goal. Uh, I thought that line in the third period was was really really good. You know, Engvall scores, Kerfoot just a couple. You know, they get us going in the game. So, you know, it was it's good all the way around. And Timmons, you know, has been moving the puck really efficiently for us here again tonight. Did the same thing. I think every single player we have on the sheet is, is a plus, plus one or better here tonight. So it's a good team win. 
You know, on the Holmberg thing, the guy is, he's been playing in that SHL, the Swedish Elite League or whatever, since 2018. Like, he's been playing men. Is there, he's 23 years old. Is there a chance they found a guy here that, like, is going to be on, in the playoffs and a part of this? I, every, every game, uh, my eyes dry to him more and more. Hmm. And there's no question in mind last night as I'm watching the game, uh, he will be the reason why you will say goodbye to David Kemp next year. Wow. No, my thoughts exactly, Kipper. Wow. That they have developed. Really? They've yes. developed David Camp. Yeah, 100%. And Camp's been great. It's been uh, superb. But there, you don't need to pay Camp. 10 million bucks? No, uh, yeah. Two and a half, two, two seven five to three million for, for three years when you got this guy is, it, it coming up. Here's the tricky part here. I don't like what you're doing, by the way. What? Making uh, you think? No. Well, that too. But I also love, <laughs> I also love David Camp. So <laughs> Okay. All right. Here's the other thing, though, mm-hmm. that may factor in this. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I need you to verify this. Okay. But I talked to somebody last night, and it didn't dawn on me until he mentioned it. Where is where's, uh, Holm, Holmberg's contract situation? Because you did mention that he is a little older. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, he may need a new contract next year. Yes, Pontus Holmberg's current situation is he, oh yeah, he's 825, he's an RFA there after this go. season. There you go. So if we are in the world, guys, of the cap only going up a million dollars next year, which we think it's going, I mean, there's always a chance they, they can negotiate with the Players Association and find a way to artificially bumped this thing up four million bucks but don't like the chances from what i'm doesn't hearing. seem likely would there be another team out there that could see holmberg continue to develop and say yeah i'll, I'll offer sheet i just think it's unlikely i'm but just I, saying but yeah, yeah. You know, i'm just saying if, because if offer sheets happened we, we, in this league yes yeah but they they're crazy right now with the pressure of no cap room mm-hmm we are in the world of hedging. Yeah. And we saw Kevin Adams down the street in Buffalo maybe pull off one of the best heists in hedging with Tage Thompson. Again, two goals last night off one-timers. And did you see his opening goal off the face-off? Yeah, it's a laser beam. This guy is, like, off the charts. He's third in the league in scoring now. He is locked in. At seven one, I can't be seven. Right. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Can, can I know it's in? right. It, it is seven I, one. Yeah, which means that like Kevin Adams for the next four or five years has arguably a three million dollar advantage to other top play, paying teams players to go out and add around. Tage yeah, well, Thompson. that's what the Bruins have done and, for but, so long with but, their top but guys. But it's going right? to trickle down. It will trickle down to the fact that other general managers have to hedge. And it... it like, as in guys are going to guess longer term on guys developing who haven't proved it, per se. And if you can turn around and, and look at a, a Pontus and go, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give that guy $2.5 million next year. I, I, think, I think it would be... On an RFA, the return would be like a, a third-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, his salary is so minuscule. It, yeah, it'd be a late-rounder, I'm sure. So is, is that crazy to think that that could happen? To me, it is. 
Really? Well, yeah. Do you I need just, more well, of a sample size no, from I Holmberg? Think, I think I think this is the type of guy that is one of those under the radar. They'll be like, yeah, here's two years, two million. He's under the radar, not in Toronto. But no, sure. but I don't like. I think we're the first ones having a real, yes, meaningful Pontus yeah. Holmberg contract conversation <laughs> yeah. in the history of sports. Listen, talk radio. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> right. Like I think I don't uh, think it's a big talked about thing. I think this is something where listen, he's I'm been just de- going by for my for my optics and yeah. what I see. I see a guy quickly developing into a a good depth player. The one thing I will hear in particular is I know a lot of analytics people are pushing their management to offer sheet guys like this. Guys who it doesn't cost a lot to, you know, in terms of acquisition cost, but it's a good low end bet and teams who up are, are up against the cap may not want to match. Two and a half million to Pontus Holmberg buries your cap if you're the Leafs. You're like, yeah. I had to pay 100%. camp and I had to pay like listen, I love Holmberg, he- but good luck with Pontus. To me, the, if they gave Holmberg a similar contract. One four. A little, yeah, around the camp contract would be the ideal situation. Yeah. Maybe now let me ask less. you something, though. Yes. Based on what you've seen so far on, on the early returns mm-hmm. on where Sandine and Lilligren have go- gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Should they have would, gone long? Would, would someone have offersheeted them at 2-2 two, two or 2-5 two, for a third rounder? And, and can, can we draw up the compensation again? Am I right? With two and a half million on a offer sheet on a on a third rounder compensation NHL. I haven't looked We're at this it. in a hundred years. Well, you should. Sam, Be- Sam looks up stats. Brought because, to you by DraftKings. I don't know. We're uh, making that up. We have teams in jail, guys, on, uh, in a yeah. salary cap. So, and Toronto's no different than many of them. One to uh, one point three is no compensation. One point three to two point one. Approximately is one third round pick, two point one to four point two is one second round pick, and then it goes up from okay. there. Four point so, two, I mean, one first. They probably offer him two point oh nine nine or something. A second rounder is significant for sure. Yeah. on a guy that uh, you may not be. But consi- I don't think you'd have to go consistent. that high, Kipper. I think you could offer him that number, two point one, and the Leafs would still go. We can't do two point one for Pontus Holmberg. They would do it. The Leafs would. Yes, I would. I, I would believe that. Wow. They, they would match that because you're really all in on this because guy. I like, I like to forecast and project, but can you not get camp at around two one? No. Like how far off no. is he? No, he's two seven. All right. Well, we're close here. You know, no, half camp, a million bring, dollars bring, huge in, but, in the world of, uh, but bring camp to me and we'll talk AAV here. We'll talk years, you know? All right. You, you, what if he did 2.2 and we'll give you five years? At that, you know, like something you're nuts. I know. No, no one's no, no one's paid. Listen, we we think Yarncroc was kind of goofy at four years. Yeah, there's an interesting comparable for Camp. Can yeah. you get the Yarncroc deal? Yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah. listen. That's just uh, I don't want to beat it up forever here, but, no, but I think my it's an point is, conversation I like Holmberg. I like where he's headed. Mm-hmm. He is one of those guys where I say you can win with that guy. Uh, rounds in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He plays heavy. He's strong. He's smart. Took the puck to the net a couple times Takes last night. Takes the puck night. to the net. He can remind me more of uh, of a Palat or Kalorn mm-hmm. type of body frames. I'm not saying they're the same players yeah. or they'll have the same success, but 
you're tired of playing against those guys in game four, five, or six because they are heavier and they lean on you, and it just gets tiresome. And you're ti- people are tired of hearing us talk about Dennis Mulgan and you know Robertson and these light guys that Keith is like Nick Patan, whatever. Here's a guy they brought, they drafted, they developed, they brought up. We like third line center, sixth, Good, sixth round draft pick. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. He's winning me over. Should we stick with the bottom six and do love some Alex Kerfoot love? Love to hear that. Sure. Alex Kerfoot shoots two in the net last night. One of them, he just one-timed it past John Gibson. And, you know, he he looked like, I don't know, an all-star last night. Pretty good pretty good player. Coming out of a slump a little bit. He's, he hasn't been scoring at the rate he expected to this season. But we, we talked about it before we came on air. The Leafs love this guy. Like he's very popular. He's union rep, and they, he's a part of the leadership group, and everyone, you know, we're talking, I think he's the fantasy football commission. He's everyone's boy. So good to see him get a couple of goals. Um, let's listen to Sheldon Keefe talk about Alex Kerfoot. Again, I think he's another guy, you know, that he's a better player than his, than his production would show, and he's played better than his production would show as well. Um, you know, he, he still plays important minutes for us. You know, we've been winning a lot of games, and, you know, we, we focus so much on the offensive production, and we need. You know, we want everybody to produce. We want to be. Um, we want <clears throat> depth scoring and all of those kind of things. But there's so many things that happen beyond the scoring that are that are so important to contribute to team wins. And that's it, right? He played 18 and a half minutes last night. He plays a lot of minutes. He plays on different lines. Kills penalties. Yeah. I know, the Timmy. Only, Let's have only, it, Sammy. The, Give only, me your the only question is, does he have the sandpaper to go up again against the Tampa Bay Lightning and find a way to be a, a guy that can contribute into beating them out? That's that's the only question I've asked from the moment I've watched Kerfoot. I just, I think this is a classic guy to me that would be a salary cap non, non-existent conversation that we wouldn't even really talk about him ever. Be happy to have him. You know, he's a guy that you'd mix in your bottom six, and he's make. But the fact that he makes outside of the big four and Morgan Riley, does he have the biggest? You know, he's three and a half the, million. He's, I guess in TJ Brody's up there, some of the defense guys, but he's got a big ticket. I have defended the guy in the past. I've said that he's kind of a necessary guy to have. He's a Swiss Army knife. Whatever you want to say about him, I just, I just, I think it maybe just been watching him for too long now. Where it's, yeah, just like, I don't I'm think not, you guys give him enough credit. I think, I think, I well, listen. The guys he plays with every night are saying he's underrated, he's uh, this. So it's like, who am I to tell Mitch Marner that? I think he's no good and he shouldn't be on the team anymore. But if they trade, if he was part of a big trade at the deadline, they needed a contract to get it. Like, I'm not going to be heartbroken to see him go. No. And last night, it's all I just great. think he, he can do everything. He can yeah. do everything. And, and except for finishing close. <laughs> but, you know, like he's, they put him everywhere in the lineup. They use him all over. He's smart. And here's what kills me is he made... A mistake or two mistakes in the postseason last year. So, you know, that's fresh. And it's come up on the show a number of times. I mean, he took a, a bad penalty. But is he a guy who takes bad penalties? He's not. Those are, but the thing is, you know those what, are though? Moments yeah, like he, that. He might be a guy that takes bad penalties in the playoffs because he's asked to do something he doesn't want to do. And that's go finish checks. I don't know. I I mean, did you see that trend throughout the playoffs? Or I know it's I only seven it games against, and seven. Uh, him not really knowing how to finish a check. I think it was against Hedman, and he brought his stick up, and I think it had to do with more him being nervous or apprehensive against a bigger guy. Yeah, it's not his game. Play. It's he not made... his game. Yeah. To me, I, I think it's a one-off play from, from Alex Kerfoot, and and I get... So here's the thing about that, though. Yeah. Fans 
that this is how you earn the love and earn the hate of fans in any sport. Look at like look at Harry Kane, most popular guy in the England. The Leafs' job is to pick fan favorites over the moon. Their job is not to pick the most likable I'm just, team. I'm just saying that like if there's not no reason that Leaf fans don't like Kerfoot. There's not no reason. I agree, and it shouldn't be. There's money not no reason. No, there's not no reason. That's yeah. Thanks, Jen. I'm, no, that does make sense. No, there's not no reason. We get what you're trying to say there, English major. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was that, Hemingway? Uh, the, no, but there. I mean, there is a reason. There is a reason that he's not a fan favorite. But, you know, their job is to win. And they see him play 17 and a half minutes a night and play in special teams and play on all four lines. You, know, you need guys come April on that need to find ways to go through people. Kerfoot's an I'm around you player. No argument. And they've got a lot of going around you players. Yep. Kerfoot's needs to be that Swiss Army knife that can do both. And he doesn't. He's just not built that way. Yeah, and they're not they haven't been built to get out of this first round either. No. Nope. And hey, that that is a fair criticism of the Maple Leafs and their construction. It's not to me a fair criticism of is Alex Kerfoot worth three and a half, valuable to the team. You know, a guy who could win, be on a team that wins in the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, I, if they had other people, that, it's not his fault. He's not that player. And if there were other players who were that player, would you love Kerfoot? Like Phil Kessel was the a dog until he was on a team that had people that could make up for what he didn't yeah, but, have. But yeah, but Phil Kessel shot for the sure. It's not that you obviously different. You, you need you need a you need that that perfect team for a guy like Kerfoot to not need to finish his checks. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Sure. It's not like you can't go through Colorado's lineup last year and find, you know, Andrew Cogliano or Darren Helm or whoever, whichever smaller guy that plays a grittier bottom six role and can chip in like those guys exist. Yeah. He's, you shouldn't have to apologize for not being the player I'm describing. But I see your point that it's like, you're looking for where are the issues with the Leafs and that, you know. In the past, yeah. that's been an issue. Yeah. And he has been one of those players, like a few more, that just can't find a way every once in a while on a particular shift to go through you. And that's still the still NHL they Stanley Cup somehow. playoffs. Yeah. They have to. Have to add some of that? Have to. In the bottom, like, I know, Kipper, you're – obsessed or not obsessed it's the wrong word it sounds mean for some reason i don't know why i said that but you're excited about the idea of adding yeah. a defenseman to me they're, yeah. they're eight guys deep. yeah no i listen it's changed they're eight it yeah. has changed they're eight guys deep like the priority is guy who scores for the top six yes and a bruiser for the bottom six those are the two things they need. You know, desperately. people are having a conversation. I feel like Trump right now. People are saying, <laughs> people are saying that Morgan Riley. You know, oh, like yeah. you know, what do you do? Oh, with him? him? Yeah, Morgan Riley has not been a part of this amazing, amazing resurgence, and it's making people go, "Wait, is he dispensable? He's not dispensable. That's not what I'm saying." <laughs> well, and that's what people are saying. <laughs> you know, it's like there, there are people wondering about Riley. When he comes back, how does he fit? Is he on power play one? Does he play left wing? Didn't we get a tweet about this? Yeah, somebody tweeted us and asked us if he should play left wing with Marner and Tavares. <laughs> they need a left winger? They seem fine on the back end? Listen, we're, we're, we're talking about games against Detroit and San Jose and L.A. Kings. Did you see L.A. Kings last night? 
They lost by an unconverted touchdown to the Sabres. A couple field goals? Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe as bad as Anaheim last night. I'm not sure. I didn't watch. But come on, uh, a, a struggling Calgary team that's too slow right now to be considered a top contending team? No, you're right, though, Kipper. Like, the teams that they pumped the brakes on Where are all these people saying we don't need Morgan Riley on the blue line anymore? The top, the two teams they played... That look good. They played against the Tampa Bay Lightning, yes. who they had an impossible time getting the puck out of their own zone against. But that was without TJ Brody. That was with Mac, Mac Hollowell in the lineup. And then against the Dallas Stars, who they did beat for nothing, but I still had thought they had a tough time breaking the puck out. And those are two real teams during that Yeah, stretch. they missed Morgan against the good teams. So Okay, so yeah. Yeah. And we are, again, I mean, we've been very crystal clear. We think half the league stinks. Yeah, that's okay, a fair we do. assessment. We do. Maybe yeah. maybe three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, boys, the three good teams are with the Leafs. Yes. Like, it's like the Leafs, they're yes. all in the same division. We've got Sick league, Gary. We've got a super <laughs> NHL league. Yeah. Yeah, great. And we got a really loaded Division Two. Yeah. league. Sure. So need more sample size before people start, you know, Saying, let's move Morgan Riley to the left I wing. Know, I, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I will, we I will, own San Jose and I, Anaheim. I will say, though, I'm very happy about the tradition. Of, Sorry. I'm happy about <laughs> I apologize the, for that. I'm happy. <laughs> pouring it on some poor guy. I'm happy about the tradition that of people wanting to move Leafs defensemen to forward. Because this happened when I was a kid. Remember Caberlet as a conversation? Maybe you should try him at forward. And then it moved to Jake Gardner. You know who would be a good forward? Jake Gardner. And now it's now it's Morgan. McCabe. Anyone who yeah. can skate and yeah. plays yeah. defense. And now, yeah. now, you know, Morgan Riley, he's pretty good offensively. Maybe he'd be a good forward. Not everyone's Brent uh, Burns, folks. All right, where do you guys want to go? Samsonov not allowed a goal in 152 Minutes. I, I do feel obligated to say we literally skipped over Alex Ovechkin getting 800 goals yeah, on top of the we'll show. Get let's to let's, we'll let's get stick to the Leafs. We'll, 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 right, we'll do that later. Let's stick with the Leafers. Well, first, he's got lots of personality, you know, and that's it's he's, he's fun to be around. He's fun to talk to. Um, but I think what really stands out is just, you know, the work that he's put in since, since he's arrived in our facility and how he's embraced the program. When I say that, it's, I mean, that's, it's goalie coach, it's strength coach, it's it's uh, a performance team, it's uh, nutritionist. Like it's all all the way through. Um, he has embraced everything that we've brought to him and everything we've asked him to do. And then he's you know he's put the work in, and uh, I think he feels good about where he's at with his game. And uh, you know he's done a good job getting through the injury and getting back here now and. And uh, it was really good today. The first period was excellent, and then big save in the second period on the breakaway. It's still two nothing, you know. And then I thought the team took care of him from there, and it was really good. So you just play. We'll take care of the rest for you. Mm-hmm. We got everybody here. I did note, though. I did think it was worthy to to mention that he he said like he's listened to everything we brought to him, including nutritionist. You know. That sort of thing. And at the start of the season, that was something that we said that we had heard in Washington. He's not in shape. Was, what was the commitment to the position, the professionalism, you know, off the ice? And so if he is been like, oh, man, this is a reality check. I'm 25, and if I don't get it together, I'm not going to be in this league. Maybe you're getting an elite goaltender who has suddenly found a low prof- level of professionalism. By the way, 
First in the NHL in goals against average, yeah. Samsonov. First yeah. in the NHL in save percentage, Samsonov. We're going to have Mike McKenna in about 15 minutes, daily face-off hockey analyst, uh, does a terrific job. He's going to talk about Samsonov and where this goaltending duel heads uh, towards uh, Christmas and the new year. And then Jeff Patterson uh, will also join us in the second hour. We're going to get into a little Bo Horvat uh, talk uh, around the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, but Samsonov will not go tomorrow night against the New York Rangers. We expect him to play Saturday against the Washington Capitals and Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. That game is in Washington. Does that uh, play out uh, the way you see it? That way we've got uh, Matt Murray against the Rangers tomorrow night. And then that's set up for Matt Murray against Tampa Bay next Tuesday. I don't know. Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, we're going to be Sam Sonoff? Yeah, because it's, it's against Washington. They're yeah. playing him against his former team. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. It is nice that Ovechkin got 800 out of the way. Well, We don't have to do that all Saturday well, night. But, the, I mean... If he's got 801 going into... Oh, what? yeah, Gordie Howe, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, 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 all that. Which, I mean, listen, boys, I've been cheering for this team long enough to know that... There he's getting 801 he's getting and 802. No, I think you, they play someone th- tomorrow night, and then they, their next game Saturday against Lee. He's getting one tomorrow, and then he's, he's tying it. All right, going we, we it, got please. about seven minutes. Um, listen, I, I, did you watch last night? I watched enough to know... Yeah, I saw yeah. the goals. So, I mean... When we were talking before pregame, we are like, okay, Ovechkin, that's a big deal. It's a story. I probably should have opened up the show, but we got into the Anaheim Stinks well, we had to get to the Holmberg <laughs> And we had a huge, <laughs> a huge story. Over the 800 on- <laughs> Holmberg's RFA deal. We were like, oh. <laughs> Relief show. But, you know, there, there's also that, that whole thing uh, about, you know, OV doing this incredible thing. And then, you know, we've had conversations earlier me and you about the whole thing about ov and where he stands you know during the war and his picture with uh, putin still on his instagram and that is clearly left a a sour taste in in your in you know when when it comes to you talking about ovechkin and i'm not saying that i'm not uh, with you on that because it's out there and it's real and it's affecting lives and everybody's got this political view on it um, but, you know, I I am also a, a guy that can kind of, um, what's the term? Compartmentalize. Uh, compartmentalize this. And I, I've, I've been able to do that. And I know it's a little tougher for you. Yeah, well, it is interesting. And I think the NHL recognizes the conflict. Because, you know, it's not like they've been going crazy promoting the chase for 800 or the, you know, trying to catch Gordie Howe for Ovi. I mean... They're in a position, and I only bring this up because I think it's it, it's going to make it interesting in how Ovi is covered over this chase for Gretzky. You know, right now there is a the U.S. is sending Patriot defense missiles to the Ukraine to beat back the Russian onslaught, led led by this dictator that Ovechkin openly supports, and he's on yeah. his his profile picture is him and this guy, this murderous dictator that the U.S. is actively. Fighting against, he is in the Capitol in Washington D.C. It's wild, and, and it's oh, it's wild. The conflict is massive. I, I think there's a ton of compart compartmentalizing. <laughs> we're struggling with compartmentalizing. I know it is, <laughs> okay. but, but we understand. There's, there's, not no, there's not no reason I'm saying that one, boys. <laughs> um, but 
there, I think there's a ton of that going on. Listen, everyone's celebrating and everyone's talking about him scoring that goal last night. And it's not like it's 500 goals or six. It's 800 goals. I know, but listen. It's, no, no, just, and what I'm getting at, like, it's an incredible accomplishment. Incredible. Which is hard. Off the charts. I, but I am more on Borny's side of it here where it's like, I don't feel, I don't cheering for him not to get it. And, and we're not punishing him necessarily for just being Russian. We just talked about Ilya Samsonov and how much everyone loves him here and we'll play some funny quotes from him in a bit. It's, you know, the open support. Not just support, but like, you know, campaigning for this guy who is leading this that, murderous charge. So it's it's different than the other Russians. Yeah, I don't you'll get no argument from me, but I just I know see we it. should I, I know, just see I it for its face value and it's As a one of the most alone, it's incredible like, and I I I, f- I feel bad for the game that it has this over its head. For sure. And it's a bummer for ways, the league. Yeah, and in and in many ways, um like it just it won't happen again. I don't think it'll. I, I don't think it'll ever happen again. It certainly wouldn't. Will never happen again. Real Kipper and Bourne, season eighteen, with, season eighteen with uh, Austin Matthews in the chase, or what? N- not with one player, one team, his whole career. Yeah, it's just so special on so many levels, and it's almost as if it's it's still an open ended thing on how mainstream media will handle this mm-hmm. moving forward, and you know if. If this war continues, how much of it is on the forefront? How much is kind of covered by mainstream media? Yeah. How much is it not? Does the NHL dictate how hard they push based on the temperature of, of the whole These story on a, on a daily basis? Do they do they gauge what's out there, sentiment push and- harder, Ovechkin's uh, charge, or do they back it off? Like, I, I wish, you know... For so many reasons. Wish we could just celebrate it because hockey fans deserve yeah. that after following yeah. one of the greats who's been heralded as one of yeah. the greats forever. And he is the greatest goal scorer in history. Yeah. He is. Oh, it's, like, you know, he, Sammy's got no, his, uh, how many games it took he's him? He's not the greatest goal scorer in history. Who is? Wayne Gretzky is the greatest goal scorer in history because he has the most goals. Yeah, you know, and but if he doesn't get hurt, he's going to pass him and he will become the only 900 goal scorer in NHL history if he stays healthy. What's, and you're right, it may still not happen. But I can't, Gretzky would be the first one to say he's way better goal scorer than I ever was. Think about Ovechkin's prime, where he went from 200 goals to 300 goals in 178 games. He went from 300 yeah. to 400 in 162 games. 700, 800, 162 games. Still on his prime yes. scoring pace. It is Unbelievable! What is he, five behind, you know, Connor McDavid and uh, Jason Robertson and Tage Lemieux, yeah. and he's fifteen years older than these 15 guys. Fifteen years older, I, and, and he I looks just, like he's been drinking a keg of beer every night for God knows how long. I'm not sure what's more impressive: scoring on an empty net or scoring on Peter Mrazek. So, is this Hattie on? He scored three of Mrazek last night. Is this not equivalent to? I guess. Hank Aaron, uh, all-time home runs sure. and stuff like that. And I think of uh, Cal Ripken Jr. passing 
Lou Gehrig for mm-hmm. consecutive games. Like this is this is like so. This is why the, the league is Homer Simpsoning charts. into the bushes right now because they hope that it blows over enough that by the time he's actually in the quest, they can sell it and promote it, and everyone's kind of forgot about the war, right? Like. I think they're crossing their fingers. It happens slower than quicker. And that's, I mean, they've, it's similar conversation with the World Cup of Hockey, what they're hoping for as well. Right. By that's 2025, a, yeah, no one will care about it's that. It's a very different conversation. Anyways, one quick more thing on OV for you guys about the on-the-ice stuff. How many of the, okay, so Sportsnet Stats put out um, the most goals by Ovechkin versus opposing goalies, and they put out four names. Can you, how many of those names do you think you can name? The four goalies he scored on the most got to be in his division, Against they're really good goalies. Marco Andre Fleury, he, uh, number one is Fleury. Twenty five goals on Fleury. Hen- Henry Lundqvist twice. That's right. Second, twenty four. Look at that division. This one's out of division. Team he loves playing against. <laughs> the Leafs haven't uh, had one goalie no, long enough. No. You won't get one of them. The other one. Okay, you want to just oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Kipper's going to use Kipper's Google. Googling. Right. <laughs> no, I'm not Googling. I'm just looking at teams right now. So I want to say, uh, I want to say. While you're uh, doing this, I'm going to give you something someone just sent me. Ovi has 800 goals in 1,305 games. Matthews has 274 goals in 473. At this pace, he would have more goals than Ovi in as many games. Luongo. Nope. Okay. That was a decent guess in Florida. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, the last two are Carey Price oh, with 22, oh, yeah. where he loves playing, always was on yeah, yeah. and Kari Lettinen with 22. How about Lundqvist, Flurry? That's what Price. I mean. <laughs> I know. And Kari Lettinen wasn't a bad goal in his day, yeah. too. So the yeah. old Thrasher days there in that division. So. And then thanks to Robin Strathroy for he, that Austin Matthews ahead of Ovi's pace by per game score. All right. Did he ever score on McKenna? Uh, we'll ask him. For sure. Uh, I, did, 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 did Ovi ever get sent down to the ECHL? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay, then maybe probably not. But we'll ask him after the break. Mike McKenna from Daily Faceoff joining us next on The Real Kipper and Born Show. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Leave it to a Greek to send me a tweet saying, and this is from Sam Daskalopoulos. Opa. Pretty sure. Opa! <laughs> pretty, pretty sure McKenna was in net for Ovi's stick on fire. I mean, of all goals to be in for, if that's true, that would be unbelievable. Yes, and it wasn't in the ECHL. No, it's in in the big leagues. <laughs> Mike, are you hearing all of this? Yeah, I am. Um, Is it true? Anybody thought Ovi ever played in the ECHL? They got another thing coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's totally true. Um, you know, when people find out that I was the goaltender in net for Ovechkin's hot stick celebration, where he scored his fiftieth goal in the two thousand eight nine season. The common response is, it's actually always the same. They always look at me with wide eyes and they go, that was you? Because nobody can believe I was actually a net for it and played in the league. And then, yeah, I'm like, this is my claim to fame. I had Don Cherry defending my dignity on Hockey Night in Canada. And, yep, that was me. I was a net for, for the hot stick. That's my claim to fame. So I, I, I only have visions of, uh, I think it was in 1987, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Ron Hextall just 
chased Chris Chelios as a member of the Montreal Canadiens, like right to the far hash marks and, mm-hmm. and baseball <laughs> uh, swung his goal stick against his uh, shin pads. Yeah. Uh, any thought of going after Ovi after that episode of hot stick? Oh, in the moment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like I've been in the league for maybe, I don't know, two weeks at that point. So here I am thinking here, I'm an absolute peasant in this league. I can't take a suspension right now. <laughs> on probably the best player in the game. Like I just have to eat this. And what was so tough about it was watching my teammates just kind of stare at him. And we get in afterwards and Rick Tockett's our coach and talk is he's fuming, right? Cause nothing happened. And Oh really? <laughs> well, look at this. Oh, like, you know, I, I'm playing really? it. I'm oh, yeah. playing it for Kipper so right talks, now. Kipper, watch this. Talks just ripping everybody. Like uh, uh, talk, talk definitely thought somebody should have gone after Ovi. I, I think at least somebody should have said something was the thought process for sure. And, and nothing did. And we all just kind of stared at it, but you know what? It was, no one expected that. It was such a strange occurrence, man. Like nobody had done a celebration like that ever, ever. And we're, we're all just staring at him kind of at first, like, what's he doing? Who's number uh, two? We number two is just standing anyway. and watch a number two on your team at the time in Tampa there. Right-handed shot. As Lucas Krychek. I remember He's that. He's just standing right beside him, just watching it happen. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, yeah. I was working with Sportsnet. I was one of those guys that said that uh, it was uh, a little over the top. I do recall, I think a year or two later, doing a, uh, I don't know if it was a charity event or a league uh, award show or something where Ovi knew that I didn't like it and came over to me and you know, actually, we had a, a very good conversation, believe it or not. And he was just saying, why don't you like the players celebrating? And why don't you like them expressing themselves? And, and that's that's what we need to do more. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of stated my, my case that, uh, you know, that there's another team involved. And, you know, I, I think that... Uh, I think in many ways that we were both probably right because we do know that it's yeah. gone to another level in terms of the creativity, the celebrations, the the passion and all of that. And, you know, I've, I've swung over, not completely over the other side, but in the same sequence, I can, I can think that Ovi's also come over my side a little bit too because I watched last night, guys, Ovi celebrate his 800th and I, I saw a guy that was not interested in any of that BS, but a, a, a guy that's been humbled by it. I like the fact that he tapped his, uh, his heart on his Jersey to the Chicago fans and everybody outside watching. And ultimately I think this guy did get it to the point where he led mm-hmm. a team to a Stanley cup and his legacy will go down in history amongst some of the best in that's ever played the game. Oh yeah. I mean, he'll be the greatest goal scorer ever if he isn't already. And you know, what's funny Kipper, like you mentioned having a conversation with him. I actually spoke to Ovi about it. I don't know, a week or two later when we played against them, you know, and it was just one of those exchanges down underneath the arena where he basically said, sorry, I, I don't know if he said, sorry, but he more or less said, I, I didn't mean anything by it. I didn't mean to show you guys up. And, and I said, that's fine. You know what? We're good. No problem here. I, I think he understood that it was kind of an embarrassing moment for our team. That was really bad at that point. And it was just kicking us when we were down. Um, and we're good. And you know what? Now I look back on it pretty fondly because it's one of those moments in NHL history. That's pretty iconic. And Hey man, even that's if I was on cool, the, the wrong end of it, yeah. yeah. even if I was on the wrong end of it, like I was part of something historic uh, and I'll forever be tied to him. So I I've owned it. It's cool. Um, and I'm just, 
I love watching Ovi play, man. One of my favorite players. It's also not a groaner. Like, it's a, he rips that shot. Like, it is a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> One of the questions I did want to ask you is everyone talks about what is it about his release that's so deceptive, yada, yada. Is it not that he just shoots it a billion miles an hour and places it yeah. really well? And just before you go, like, I, I want to say that I went down just to, to, to kind of add to your point. Yeah. I went down and did a, an alumni event uh, about a month and a half ago, two months ago. And I, I walked into the practice facility and they were on the ice and I couldn't take my eyes off of Ovi the whole practice. Just shooting it. Shooting it. And, yep. you know, the one thing that really stood out during that practice, uh, Mike, was the sound. Almost as if <laughs> I'm listening to uh, eight other guys on the Blue Jays do batting practice and then I hear Vladdy. Steps gr- in. <laughs> I hear Vladdy, and just the sound off his bat is much different than anyone else's. And I got the exact same feel watching Ovi shoot the puck during this practice. And I'm I'm yep. just wondering, as a, from a goaltender's perspective, uh, do you get the feel the the same f- different feel when when a guy like that comes at you? Yeah, absolutely. It's because he's swinging for the fences absolutely every time. It's like growing up in St. Louis, I'd see Albert Pujols and I'd see Brett Hull. And those were similar types of players for what they did. And like, even I just put a piece up on daily faceoff today about the top five one-timers in the league. And I pulled NHL goalies and all but one guy said Ovi. Now the thing about Ovi, when it comes off his blade to me, it's not like he's so accurate with it. It's just overwhelmingly hard and it's hard to read because you know how this works with the big shooters. He can shoot it from anywhere. It doesn't have to be in his wheelhouse. It can be three feet behind him. It can be off his front foot, back foot. So a lot of times the puck comes off and it's almost like waffling on edge. Mm-hmm. So he can dip and dive and go all over the place. So like his one timer is tough to stop because it's hard to read. And then when he's shooting on the rush, like he did to beat me <laughs> for that hot stick goal, um, he, he's got a really big time toe curve on a stick and yeah. it tends to go like toe heel toe really quickly. Um, and when he uses that D as, as a little bit of a screen, it's just tough to pick up and it comes off the blade so quickly, almost kind of like a boomerang. So, you know, I had trouble with him early in my career, but I actually faced him, I think five or six times total. And later in my career, I did better because I knew I had to get my feet set. If I got my feet set, I could at least get a good read on the shot. Um, I wasn't perfect against him, but I was at least better once I had that little bit of detail. Yeah, it's a really good point about that toe curve because sometimes it does seem to just come off and whip and you know change direction on the way. It doesn't seem to matter where it is in his stands. He hits it. So um, one goaltender, actually two goaltenders, are stopping a lot of pucks in Toronto right now. Uh, Ilya Samsonov has taken over the NHL lead in save percentage and goals against average. You know, one of the things Sheldon Keith mentioned today was sort of his off ice. Uh, he's taking care of himself and really listening to the things they're trying to work with him on. What are you seeing out of Samsonov so far this season? Well, it's a really good point because I think that there is a little more than an inclination, maybe a belief that Samsonov just didn't really take things serious enough in Washington in a couple of different Mm -hmm. ways. Um, And so obviously that's one thing. You get kicked in the teeth when you're a first-round pick and the team that picks you doesn't want you anymore. They just let you go. So I I think that woke him up a bit, and I think that – there needs to be a lot of credit to goalie coach Curtis Sanford in Toronto here because he's got two goalies in Murray and Samsonov that are they're pretty different in how they play, in my eyes. Um, Samsonov still, to me, has an element of free form to his game. He's not that crisp. 
Um, but I think he's cleaned up two things this year. First, his depth is really consistent. There were times with Washington, he'd be deep in his crease, then he'd be way out. It, it, it's like he didn't really have a game plan. Now I think he's pretty set in that. And I also find that he's sliding less than he ever was before. When he was in Washington, he'd, he'd slide from side to side and recover, and his game was just really busy. Now there's still a little bit of that to him. He's never going to get rid of it completely. But I do find that he's staying on his edges a little bit more. And that in turn is just making that first save easier and easier for him to control it because his eyes aren't moving, his upper body's not moving, and he's square to the shot initially. Is this sustainable? I mean, these type of numbers, does it, as, as expectations rise, uh, I mean, is there going to be a letdown here? Uh, the, the brutal honesty is no, a 939 is not sustainable. I mean, we're, he's, we're only a third of the way into the season. So he's going to come back down to earth with that. I mean, if he, if Samsonov finishes with a 925, I would consider that a massive year for him, but there's going to be regression if that's what the number turns out to be. And, you know, it's some of the things that I said before, like, I still think he's, he's loose in his game. He's not very crisp. He can still end up on his back and his stomach occasionally. Um, and that's a progression. He's going to have to keep working on that with Curtis Sanford to really find that structure. Um, so is it, is it sustainable from the numbers he's posting now? Uh, no. Uh, and I also think that the, just frankly, the Leafs have played really well lately. So it's given him a ton of confidence. What's going to happen when he finally hits a tough patch? Cause to me, Samsonov really hasn't had one this year at some point he will. Um, but with the way he's playing, like I say, with his depth and, and the fact that he's not sliding as much, I, I do think he's capable of, you know, 920, 925 type of goaltending, and that's everything that the Maple Leafs need. Do you think he can be better than McKenna? Or sorry, not McKenna, <laughs> McKenna than Murray? Yes, he, he can definitely be better than McKenna. He is <laughs> okay, much fair, better good. than McKenna. Now that we've got that out of the way, <laughs> if Murray and Samsonov are both playing well come playoffs this year, can Samsonov make a case that he'd be the better guy to start? I'd start whoever's playing best going into playoffs. And I think that that's really healthy in this relationship. Um, the problem is that you got to hope that both are healthy here, guys. That's the elephant in the room. Uh, we don't need to belabor it because we know it's all what we're hoping <laughs> doesn't happen. You want them both healthy. Uh, but, when, but when you look at Murray, and I've watched him closely, like I didn't like his game against Calgary, but you throw that one out the window. Look what he did against Dallas. I mean, just one of the greatest goalie performances I've seen in the last probably two years. Um, I think he's playing at a level of urgency with Murray that I haven't seen in a couple of years. Um, he's, you talk about crisp, like his footwork's real crisp. Okay. He's very rarely swimming unless he absolutely has to, he's not knocking the nut off anymore. So he's adjusted that. And so have the arenas around the league. Um, but I still question his hands, you know, that Calgary game, it looked like Kadri and, and a couple others were able to expose him up high. That's something he'll have to keep working on. But I think realistically, this is an open battle between Murray and Samsonov. And if you have two bullets in the chamber when you get to playoffs, who's to say they both, both don't end up playing a little bit? Murray's won a Stanley Cup like that previously when he had Marc-Andre Fleury as his goalie partner in Pittsburgh. I could see it playing out like that again. Until one of them catches on fire, right? I mean, but historically, That's right. but Mike, historically, we don't see it happen when it comes to winning Stanley Cups. We see one dominant guy and very seldom do we not know who that that guy is generally before the playoffs start Mm -hmm. yeah it's true but it's also a little bit of a different landscape if you look at the number of tandems around the league um i mean i i put out a piece of daily face-off on the top tandems and it was so hard for me to rank because most of the teams in the league now save for maybe five or six 
they're rolling with a tandem that's playing two games to one guy, one game to another, you know, even closer to split half and half. Now, you know, come playoff time, we've seen how that works before. You are right, Kipper. Like it typically does go to the one goalie that's caught fire. Um, but a lot of that comes down to the team. You know, if the Leafs are playing well in front of one goaltender, unless they really stink up the joint in playoffs, they're probably going to ride them out. Um, you have to think Murray's got a bit of an edge there though, with two Stanley cups in his pocket. I know he's been rebuilding. I know yeah. the last couple of years haven't been great, but he still knows what that moment is like. And there's value to That's that. That's why you so, lean on him as the guy. I think unless Samsonov is playing heads and shoulder above Murray, mm. I think you're right, Kipper. It's Murray's net probably for playoffs to lose. Do you think stats today do a good job? I know there's some like, you know, goals saved above expected and some new ways to look at goaltending. Do you think we do a good enough job accounting for environment as in like, are the Leafs providing both these guys with the insulation to look good? Is John Gibson being unfairly put upon playing in Anaheim? Are we capturing situation enough on these goaltenders? I I think there's enough information out there. If you have kind of a, a discerning eye, you know, as far as John Gibson, I listen, I haven't liked this game for four years. I think you're seeing the goalies that haven't updated uh, to modern style and post integrations and everything else like that. They're at the bottom of the league and we're talking about quick and we're yeah. talking about Gibson and we're talking about Peterson um, some and Bobrovsky, even some pretty big name goalies that I think have been, they've been passed by, but in terms of the Leafs, this club is providing them insulation, no question about it. And I think you have to look at how the team is, like expected goals for the team, shot attempts, all that stuff. It all matters. It all factors in. I still think there's value in traditional numbers. I do like goals saved above expected. The problem is that it's over the course of the season. So you really need to look in a little microcosm. How's somebody playing? You need to look at the last five or six games to really get a feel for that. And, of course, when you look at Toronto right now, Hey man, that's pretty good. Like I said, I didn't like the Calgary game for Murray, but aside from that, he's been rock solid, the same as Samsonov. Okay, based on roughly 30 games, we are starting the playoffs tomorrow, and I am giving you one tandem to pick anyone you want to start to try to win a Stanley Cup. Who do you pick? Samsonov and Murray, huh. Allmark and Swayman, uh, Hey, he, he just wrote on this. He knows Frank them all. Kuz. Okay, where, where are you going, you buddy? I'm giving you, you two. I'm giving you, I'm giving you a chance to pick anyone you want to try to go win a Stanley Cup starting tomorrow. Who are you taking? Well, we got to assume that the Islanders are in the playoffs, even though it's getting tight out there in the Metro. I would go Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov. Wow. That combination, I mean, Sorokin has been outstanding, and I think Varlamov has been very good. Either of them can win. If you're looking at a tandem thinking you may have to play both. But I think even in Tampa, Brian Elliott, guys, he's six and one this year. And I know it's not playoffs. And I know he's also faced a little bit different workload. But you just look at how Tampa's playing and you think, man, Elliott and Vasilevsky, they might be able to get it done as well. So I, I haven't really liked Swayman's year so far to date. I think he's trending upward. Olmark's been fantastic. Um, but if I got a roll into playoffs with a tandem, I want the one guy who I think is probably the Vezina winner. Uh, if it's Sorokin, it might be Hellebuck right now. They're going to be battling it out for a while, but it's really because of the strength of Varlamov. I'd feel completely comfortable going with the Islanders tandem in the playoffs. Excellent. Excellent stuff as always, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you being the goalie in net off of Ovi's <laughs> hot stick. What a thrilling development that was. 
Thanks hey, to the you know what? That's I'm just my crack team. Too. That's my claim to frame. I want you to know that's my crack team of led by Sammy McKee that uh, did uh, mounds of research to find that out uh, about nine minutes ago. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I appreciate it. Better late than never. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Mike you McKenna guys. from Daily Faceoff Hockey Analyst. Sammy, I, I expect you to know that stuff. He knew. He had done great research to figure out. He was watching the video. Who was the goalie net for Ovi's 50th? We got to get him on the show. I, I have. There's been a few times I've been as disgusted at a hockey event than when he did that celebration. Oh, you guys are ridiculous. No, no. no. That was, like ridic- at the time that was ridiculous. I wouldn't like it today. It was too gimmicky for me. What's wrong with going, yeah, double fist pump? What's wrong with that? Why are you going to put your stick on the ice? Can I show a touch of class? Awful selling. Uh, he's the most Canadian guy I've ever heard. Uh, good old boys. I, the one, the one that I've liked is the in overtime when guys throw their stick into the crowd. Love that. That's a great love selling. that one. Yeah, until I like someone that. loses an eye. You know what I actually thought <laughs> and of the other day? There's a major lawsuit. <laughs> you know, Matthews for years has done the look of the crowd and give the like, let's go. Bunting does Bunting, Bunting, I knew Bunting, I was going to say Bunting, Bunting did it the other day, and I was like. Mitch. Yeah, but Mitch started doing it, I think, last year. But Mitch is one of the, you know, he scored 35 times last year. He's a, you know. Oh, you don't like bunting doing it. It's a bit much. <laughs> you got eight. Let's. <laughs> you think, what was that, 7-1? <laughs> yeah, the seventh just, goal? That's right. Let's The, one, the one that's getting me with celebrations, I mean, we'll talk a little McDavid and the news and notes or whatever. But this guy, I was saying to Borny before the show, scores a goal every night. That would be the best goal of 85% of the guys in the league's career every night. And he scored one last night where he just carved up the Preds. Yeah. End of the right, end to end, goes through, and then he just fist bumps his guys off the ice, no look just at his face. One. like, ah, this is the easy game. There's like tiers of scoring, and it's like McDavid tier, Dreisaitl tier, and then the rest of the league starts. Like, Matthews really celebrates his goals these days. Like, you know, he, he like, he you does a big, like, well, I do I had? the drop down to one knee. And well, then, but uh, that's Ovi, and I've, I've yeah. actually always hated Ovi's celebration just because I think it's a bad celly. He does the one knee ice punch thing. Yeah, it's a bad look. I don't, I don't like that celly just because I don't like it. It doesn't right. look... Not, I'm not, like, offended by it. I just think it's a stupid... I don't know. I don't like it. I, I think that looks like a lot. Why are you so pissy? Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, I, it's I've not I've seen Pat Kane bad. kind of do a little Kane bit of something. Kane does the mouth guard but, out this, too. I think that's where Matthew's but, but got it from, actually. Kane, yes. Kane goes down to one knee every once in a yes, while, does he not? he does. He, not? he does, for sure. Who's the be- I'm trying to think who the best guy in, in the league is at doing it. Just just a best selly guy? I don't I'm know. We're, we're open to suggestions if you got uh, it. In our- I, I remember <laughs> Tim Kerr scoring 60 goals for the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't think he raised his arms five times. Really? Well, there's a big part of it that's like, you act like you've been there before. You know what? I actually got called into my athletic director's office in university because I scored a, a big goal and I turned around and did the referee point at the net. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know. I like the ref point. I did the I Captain can't even Morgan finish pose this once. show right now. I'm so disgusted <laughs> at that point. The great. What's your favorite celebration of all time? Uh, Timo Solane throwing a shoot in the gloves. Yeah, that one was wild. I don't know. Over Theo, time. You know what? Actually, Theo Fleury, it is Theo Fleury's Theo OT. Fleury? Yeah, that's. Where he Zamboni the center ice. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Well, I, I Who was it? Oh, um, when Yakupov. Remember Yakupov, who was just like the craziest celebrator. And they were playing like a mid-December game, and he tied it with like a second left, and he skated the length of the ice and like yes, went on I his do. knees and, they put it on and t-shirts. like yeah, he was just like Actually, out of his mind. But yeah, the hot stick would not be on my list of favorite. Songs. I'm I'm 
going back, but Tiger Williams rode his stick down center ice at Maple Leaf Gardens. I uh, love Tiger, but first, only Tiger can do that. First <laughs> game back, I think, as a Vancouver Canuck. I dare you to tell him not to. Yeah, right? Well, that's it. It's like, yeah, you want to go ahead and get something to say about it? would still kick 90%. Of any NHL <laughs> player's ass. Yeah, I want today. No- I want nothing to do with telling Tiger Williams he can't do something. He can go ahead and do whatever he wants. I also, I mean, not to get too. There's a couple more that I really, really love. Um, I'm not a big fan of Kuznetsov at all. Oh, but I love the when bird he, when he does the big fan. Yeah, that's a good Don't one. And, and really get the bird. Thing. Well, it's Rus- Russian Russian eagle. Yeah, it's not. Thing. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And Lucic when he would score. And then you would take both hands on his stick and put it above his head. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most ogre celebration of all time. Uh, uh, oh, my God. And I'm too old for, it's like, a 10-minute Sally conversation. Another really good one. Uh, sorry. I mean, the mud here. There's, I got, there's two more I got. The, the One of the most iconic, and a guy that actually just had two assists in a, as a 50-year-old in the Czech League. Oh, Yager Salute. Yager Salute is glove off. Bang. My it. buddy Brian Prop had a, a guffaw, which I think he he got somehow from um, a, a Howie Mandel uh, show. A guffaw. I don't even like know what laugh? the guffaw is. What's a guffaw? A guffaw. I, he took his his hand out of his glove and he kind of scooted it up towards the air. Okay. It was really strange, I've, but I think I found out it had something to do with Howie Mandel. That's strange. I've been hanging on to one because I'm embarrassed about this, and in fact, it's the only time I think my dad actually called and was like, what are you doing? But around the time Terrell Owens pulled the Sharpie out and no, signed for, I didn't do that. Oh, okay. But uh, Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, Fairbanks are big rivals. Like, those are huge games every year. They give out a trophy. I scored an OT winner in that game, and pretended to pull out the Sharpie and sign the stick. Oh. And I, yeah, I, I got punched in the head for that the next game. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I am really surprised you've made it this far. I stopped celebrating like an idiot as I grew up. And Jamie Ben, I don't know when it was, can't remember in the last however long, snapped his stick over his knee. Like it was, it was broken little, a little bit. He, Bo, he like scored the, he scored the goal. How about when Bobby Ryan scored using someone else's stick? Yes. And then celebrated. Yeah. That was unbelievable he, too. Like, showed it. I, yeah. I think it's the art of a celebration. It's incredibly, to me, it, it's important to the goal. Like, if it's an all-time goal or, like, it's something, the moment, it's what you remember for. You think of Patrick Kane Kipper's scoring. The, dying right I know. Now. You score the overtime winner <laughs> that nobody went, knew went in. Yeah. And he's jumping up and down. Go down the, you the remember ice. that just as much as you remember I the goal. It. Like, it's, yeah. it's an important thing. I'm going to break. I know, I know. Yeah, the, yeah. the windmill. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> right after these words. Take us away. Uh... <laughs> this is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. JB, I got to think that uh, the NHL Christmas freeze, which is coming, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Monday. Oh, yeah. At midnight. Couldn't come at a better time for the Vancouver Canucks just to calm things down out west. uh, Because uh, this whole Bo Bo Horvat story has taken on a 
a life of its own, I think. Uh, and that's uh, it's a good reason to kind of get into it with our next guest. Mr. Patterson, how are you? Oh, is he? Okay. All good, Mr. Patterson? I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that you catching your breath with all the... Uh, the turmoil going on with the Vancouver Canucks. It was actually me turning off my dryer so that I could uh, <laughs> do this unfettered because I didn't want the home appliances to uh, be rattling in the background. So um, is there really news in the last 24, 48, 72 hours here, or is it just kind of uh, some things surfacing that we already knew pre-existing even towards the summer when they chose to sign JT over Bo. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's anything that is earth-shatteringly new other than this report that the Horvat camp has rejected the team's latest offer. And I suppose that part is new because during the Hall of Fame weekend, there was a fair bit of noise around the fact that, well, all these Canucks personnel, management, and ownership were in Toronto, and Pat Morris is based in Toronto, and the two sides didn't get together, and that seemed to uh, have some people concerned that, you know, we had reached this critical mass where they weren't even talking to each other. So if you're rejecting deals, at least there's some communication going on. But uh, it's just the, it's the bizarre nature of the way this thing has sort of taken on life now in the last really 10 days. And, and 10 days ago, it was Brock Besser front in the spotlight. Now, more recently this week, it's it's Horvat again. But like to have a player release a statement, a prepared statement through the team while he's on the ice at practice yesterday. Like I've covered this team for 23 years, uh, I've never seen that one before, so that was new. And then of course he comes off the ice after practice and gets asked questions about right. the contract situation. And and so the, you know he was trying to get ahead of it. I understand what he was trying to do with the statement, but in a market like this one. Uh, they had had Monday off, so this was the first time that anybody had access to Bo. And, of course, those questions were going to be asked. And of course, he handled it like the pro that he is. I mean, he has been nothing but gracious with his time during his playing days here as the captain. Uh, you know, he's comfortable in front of the microphone. So I didn't understand the need for the prepared statement mm-hmm. because he was going to get asked all those questions, and he can certainly handle himself. And, you know, he didn't dump any more gas on the fire. He just kind of explained his side of things and, and away you go. So, you know, that part at the very least was curious. Um, and, you know, to his credit, like, it hasn't been a distraction. Now, he hasn't been asked about it an awful lot. He was asked about it before training camp and sort of said all the right things then. And then he goes out and he scores 20 goals, and he's one of the league leaders in that department. So it hasn't been a distraction. But, you know, now that it's ramped up a little bit, uh, I am curious to see if at any point this does, because now it's pretty real. Like now I think it's pretty clear that if the Canucks have made their best and final or something close to it and it's been rejected, then it's kind of natural to suggest that he isn't going to finish the season here as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. And so in that sense, maybe it does change the dynamic a little bit. Can he shelve that and just continue to do what he's done on the ice through the first 28 games? We're joined by Jeff Patterson, who's covered the Vancouver Canucks for uh, more than two decades. Uh, and this one's a beauty uh, as we watch what happens to Bo Horvat with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Jeff, is there a chance that this, this release, this something out of nothing story is kind of brought together by, by Bo, his agent, uh, 
the Vancouver Canucks just to try to drum up the best case scenario here to to move off of this? Can there be a, a deal done uh, after Christmas or at the deadline? Like, wh- where is this heading here? Are they are they all in agreement that this is the best way to go and this is the best way to kind of draw up interest? Well, it's hard to fully know what Patrick Elvin, the general manager, is thinking. We rarely hear from him. He plays things remarkably close to the best. Jim Rutherford certainly uh, is more outspoken among the, the two upper management guys. You know, Bo Horvath, again, said all the right things. Like, drafted by the Canucks, you know, sort of groomed under the Sedines, became the captain, uh, has started and raised a family here. Like, I do think that Bo Horvath, uh, in some world, would like to see it through and, and see how far he can push it with the Vancouver Canucks because, let's be honest, they haven't had a whole lot of success during his time here, got to the playoffs as a rookie, and then got to, to the playoffs again in the bubble a couple of years ago. But it's been since 2015 since the Vancouver Canucks have actually hosted a playoff game here at Rogers Arena in Vancouver. So a long time coming, and they're below the playoff bar as we sit here now, big one in Calgary tonight. But, you know, the chances of them making the playoffs this year feel slim i wouldn't rule it out because there's enough runway left still but uh you know i i so i think bo horvat envisions a world in which he does lead this team to playoff success and and those types of things but you know through no fault of his own and through fiscal mismanagement of now two management groups eventually the dam's going to burst and and it looks like we're reaching that point and he's kind of going to be the guy that ends up being squeezed in all of this so uh, they made their bed. They committed to J.T. Miller, and uh, you know, at the end of the off season, just before training camp, uh, it has not been a great start to the season for J.T. He picks up points. If you just look at the box scores, you'd say, "Hey, a point a game guy, like that's all right, coming off a 99 point season." But uh, it's you know, just nightly errors. You probably saw the highlight the other night against Minnesota with the cross ice pass that got picked off for a shorthanded goal, and we see way too much of that from from J.T. Miller. And and I do wonder if there is some buyer's remorse in the offices at Rogers Arena. Did they hitch their wagon to the wrong guy? But there's not enough money to go around in a, in a flat cap world or a cap that's going up by a million bucks. And so, you know, the only way I could see them carving out space to find a way to meet Horvat's demand, they'd have to get out from under Besser or Garland or Tyler Myers. And uh, Besser and Garland are both stuck on four goals and have had massively disappointing starts to the season that Tyler Myers is essentially a, a depth defenseman making six million bucks this year and next. So, you know, none of those contracts is going to be easy to move. They don't have uh, much in the system and the pipeline. Uh, they already added a second round sweetener to move off Jason Dickinson's contract uh, earlier this year. And so, you know, this new management group, they inherited a mess. They did, but they've been on the job a year now. And instead of carving out any cap flexibility, they, committed to Miller. They elected to go three years with Brock Besser. Uh, you know, they went out and they signed Ilya Mikheyev in the offseason and didn't do anything to address the back end. And so they spent all this money up front, and yet everybody in this market knew that uh, the defense core wasn't good enough, was the glaring weakness. And sure enough, if you watch the Canucks at all this season, and uh, I think they've given up five or more goals in 12 of their 28 games. Like, you know, so many other games look and feel the same. They can't defend. They give up way too much. And as a result, they lose more than they win. So uh, there's a myriad of problems here. And it's going to be really interesting to see what direction this new management group decides to go. But right now, it's kind of been uh, paralysis by analysis. And they really haven't done anything that's kind of tipped their hand into, you know, what that next 
big move or that first big move is going to be if they decide that they want to change the direction of this hockey club. And ultimately, is it going to be moving Bo Horvat or is there going to be a trade before that that you know tries to create a little wriggle room so maybe they can double back and see if they can't get a deal done to keep the captain here long term? So you mentioned the fiscal mismanagement of two groups, and now we're on to the second one. I can't help but wonder, like, who's under fire in Vancouver right now most of all? Is it individual players? Is it the new management group? Is it, you know, is it ownership? Who is feeling the heat of, uh, I guess, I, just from the outside, it looks like they're kind of stuck in this mushy middle where they're pretty good and they got some good players, but they can't really do anything to get better. And it's tough to see a roadmap out of this. The new management doesn't seem to have helped them with that. Uh, sorry for trying to answer my own question. I will now hand that over to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I will need 15 minutes to answer this one. Uh, no, I, look, I, I think there's a huge portion of the fan base that is angry at ownership for just refusing over a decade now to strip it down and try to build it up properly. And and ultimately, you know, even though people have tried to get, you know, sell the team, moving on as a hashtag and, and trending on Twitter, like, you don't get to make that call. The owner's the owner, and there are a lot of people that have felt his fingerprints have been uh, all over management, certainly behind a lot of the moves uh, of the Jim Benning era. I think the new management group, it's been just over a year since Jim Rutherford took over. Patrick Alvin uh, was brought on board in January, so he's coming up on his first anniversary. You get a little bit of a honeymoon period there. Uh, but I think there is some frustration with the inactivity because talk is cheap, and ultimately Jim Rutherford was brought in to do a job. He was brought in as a you know, a senior, senior manager with his reputation and the Stanley Cups to prove it. And one of the things everybody thought with Jim Rutherford was, you know, he's proactive and all the trades that he made when he took over in Pittsburgh. And yet you look at the trade activity, and I get it's tough in this climate of the National Hockey League, but, you know, they've just nibbled around the fringes, traded out Travis Hamannick, brought in Travis Dermott last year, and then Ethan Bear and, and Riley Stillman. Like, that's the extent of their trade activity. And... They're no better for those minor moves, and that's why some major surgery is going to be required. And and so I think a lot of the frustrations with ownership that, you know, it's just been this constant chase of getting in as the second wild card and take your chances that, you know, under Jim Benning, it sort of was getting to the playoffs and hope that something can happen. And they saw that in the bubble, that was kind of the case. And so I think they thought that that gave them hope, but, Coming out of the bubble, they were one of the sexy teams. Like, all those young players uh, stepped up, performed well. Horvat was terrific. The last, I think he had 10 goals in that playoff run. But Demko, you know, was the first playoff test for Pedersen and Hughes, and they were both point-a-game guys. And so there was really reason to believe. And, and I go back to that, uh, that free agency period coming out of the bubble. Uh, you know, we were in COVID. The Canucks as an organization were sort of cutting corners financially wherever they could, and that's when they let Mark Sturm and Tanev and Toffoli and Troy Stetcher all just walk away as unrestricted free agents. And, you know, they had Toffoli. If they had found a way to re-sign Toffoli, they probably don't have to chase Connor Garland and make that trade and bring on OEL and his contract. And, you know, and so it's just chasing your tail and around and around they've gone. And as a result, they're right back in this position of, you know, best case scenario is probably sneaking in as the wild card number two, or maybe you, maybe you reach Lockie Heights of being the number one wild card, whatever the case, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're Jeff, taking on the top seed in the conference Jeff, and sneaking in, sneaking into the playoffs means that you will have kept Bo Horvat and then you watch him walk out the door for nothing. They can't do that. No, you, you're right. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And so that's where I think, 
like in my world now, if they have made their best in final, and only they know, but if they've even been close and it's been, you know, rebuked by the the Horvath camp, I think you really have to start looking at trading him sooner rather than later because the the last thing they can afford is for Horvath, who's been remarkably durable during his career, but imagine if he gets hurt here closer to the trade deadline. Like, you know, then you're left holding the, the bag in that regard. And so... Uh, you can't bank on that. You can't plan around injuries, but it is a realistic possibility. And so I do wonder if, you know, they think they've made the best offer to them. Or at camp, they, they not even close. They have then, made their best offer to them. I would start looking at, you know, making the best possible trade in the here and now and really starting to lay out some sort of longer term vision than rolling the dice, hoping they come up your way and you sneak into the playoffs for what, two home playoff dates and, like I just think the Sacramento family, like they've got more money than just about anybody. Like really, two home dates is that lucrative to them, or you know the possibility of a third home playoff game? Like I'm of the opinion, like you know, set a course for this franchise. If it means stepping back, it's been a dark decade here, but like put together a plan that will allow you to have a run of four or five years where the hope would be that you were a playoff team every year. And that in one of those years, you get it right, you get on a, a big long run, and you actually put together a team that can you know, contend. So uh, the owner hasn't shown that kind of vision yet. It just really is sort of a fly by the seat of his pants year by year, uh, take it one step at a time. But I'm with you that uh, that cannot be an option for this group. And, you know, Calgary was in a different boat last year. Like they watched Calgary with Johnny Hockey, but they had legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations that fell short, but the aspirations were there. This team does not have those. And so holding on to Horvat would make zero sense in my opinion. I, I think, um, I think Vancouver Canucks are going to think that they can get a boatload for Bull Horvat, and they are going to be really disappointed. Yeah, it's tough to know. I mean, I, I, look, we spent a lot of time here in this market wondering what's his value on the trade market, and then beyond that, what would his value be on the open market? Okay. Bo is he's a really unique player. I think there are two guys in the league right now that have 18 goals but less than 10 assists, and he's yeah. the other one. Bo is an incredible – he's developed into a goal-scoring ace and an absolute face-off stud. He's a captain, yeah. so he's got leadership. But, but you, you, there are awards to his game. Vancouver, like he, doesn't want not, to, Vancouver doesn't want to pay him as a, a, a top goal-scoring kind of guy. Here, here's the problem not, in a nutshell, yeah, well, He's not going to run at 21% with a you know, shooting clip. Like there, there is going to be a drop in his – his goal is going, he's not going to score one of every five shots. It's just the reality of the situation. And I think one thing that people around the league don't recognize, and I'm not here to, to you know, throw darts at Bo Horvath. He's an incredible guy. I've always enjoyed my dealings with him. Yeah. But he's got nine assists. I think five of them at even strength, 28 games into the season. He's not a setup guy. He doesn't have Dingo. playmaking and a vision on the ice. And hey, so this is, this is Vancouver's – this is why – and this is the the biggest dilemma here I've I've seen actually is kind of a an interesting case study that Vancouver wants to pay him like a fifty point guy like the guy that you just mentioned can't set up so that ballpark could be anywhere between five and six million dollars but what's going to happen now between now and the trade deadline they're going to want to trade him as if he's an eighty point guy and a right. forty goal score so tell me which one it is because you can't suck and blow at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, and again, I have nothing but the highest regard for Bo Horvath, but realistically, I mean, he's had one, his career high is 61 points. That was last year. And again, sort of the knock on him is 
he doesn't make the guys around him a whole lot better in terms of setup and playmaking, those types of things. Uh, you know, they throw him out there in the matchup role, and he holds his own, but he's certainly not a defensive ace. He's had one selfie vote in his career, and that came from a, a member of the Vancouver chapter of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, so some home-cooking there. Um, you know, he's a, he's a very good player, but you know, I'm not sure that I can go a whole lot further there if I'm the one that's trying to you know, sign the contract. I, I can understand from the Canucks' perspective, like there's been talk that they looked at Ryan Nugent Hopkins as a comparable, and, and somehow the Oilers got the Nuge to agree to you know, eight years at 5.125, which is incredible because he's had better seasons statistically than Bo Horvat has at this point in his career. They're around the same age. They both had the potential to be legacy players. So I can understand the Canucks coming with that, but the market obviously is, is telling you something different. He's not going to sign for five and a quarter. Uh, but to me, I think anything higher than about six and a half, you're going to have trouble extracting value from Bo Horvat, who does a lot of good things, but there are areas of his game that at the age of 27, turning 28 in April, you know, he is what he is. And it's not likely that all of a sudden he's going to become this incredible playmaker. And so, you know, that is the concern. And I think any team around the league uh, should be wary, you know, buyer beware, you're getting a good player, but if you think you're getting this complete, you know, sort of low end one C or, you know, a really good second line center, uh, you know, again, there are some things that uh, hold him back in my my estimation from being able to command something that would start with an eight. Like I just, to me, eight would be a, a no go zone. But yet the market, you know, is going to dictate that he's probably going to get something in the high seven. Jeff, just last one, real quick, before we let you go. How's our boy Bruce Boudreau hanging in there? Is he okay? <laughs> uh, if, if, he, if they didn't fire him a month ago, man, he, he's going to be there for maybe life. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yesterday after practice, somebody asked him and said, Bruce, uh, you've been on the job for just over a year. You've seen an awful lot. And he just said, yep. <laughs> um, and, and you know, Bruce, you don't get the one-word answers out of Bruce very often, but I think that kind of said everything uh, without saying a whole lot. Uh, his demeanor has changed. I, I mean, look, none of us would want our boss just beaking constantly, going public and saying some of the things that Jim Rutherford has said. And yet at the same time, if you watch that 7-6 win over Montreal when they were down 4 nothing and came all the way back to win in overtime, it was everything that Jim Rutherford had said. Like, there is no structure. Uh, they can't defend. And Bruce seems okay with, you know, just kind of letting his horses run wild and hoping that they can outscore their problems and their power play is, uh, elite and among the league's best, and it bails them out on a lot of nights. So Bruce loves offense, but ultimately uh, they do have to tighten things up defensively. So it's been tough. I mean, there has been a change in his demeanor. Hasn't been as uh, happy-go-lucky as he was last year when he, you know, he was excited to get back in the league and have a job and all those types of things. Uh, he's in a tough spot because I think he recognizes that uh, he won't be the coach here next year. It's just a question of uh, will he get to ride this out for the remainder of the season? They probably don't want to pay. They're still paying Travis Green the final year of his deal. So, uh, you know, from an ownership standpoint, they probably don't want to be paying three head coaches. So that might give Bruce an opportunity to stick it out to the end of the year. But certainly tough circumstances, and uh, uh, it is never dull. That much is uh, obvious, <laughs> I think, uh, certainly for those of us that yes. cover the team. But I think, I think the league is on to the Canucks now to know that uh, there's just no shortage of storylines out here on the West Coast. Jeff, really appreciate your time. Thanks for sharing. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Jeff Patterson, yep. co-host at at Rinkwide Podcast in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. That's that's a problem now for Vancouver is they're, they're, they're – You don't think they're, they're going to get a 
pile for Bo Horvat? No. Guy's going to score 40 times this year and no one so wants to pay what, for that? What, 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 tell me what a boatload is. Like a first and a prospect and a fourth. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a boat load. That's a boat load. Do you, oh, I don't know. Well, what do you think is a reasonable first and uh, yeah, a mid prospect? Yeah, but don't you think that there'd be teams that maybe out of the playoff picture that could trade for him too? Like Why would you do that? Well, if you're maybe going to re-sign him, Kev, if you think he's good, then if you do like it the in player, the summer. But then, ah, I guess. But you have first right of refusal. Oh, you stop a it. To have a better chance to sell a guy on your system. The contract's going to hold its own. You don't need to give up a first rounder for first rights of refusal. Yeah. Sammy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the question player. I have is, I'd you know, you think about you what Felino went for at the to deadline. negotiate first? No, you're right. You're right. No, right. but but Kipper, think of like what guys go for at the deadline, what the Leafs gave up for Felino, yeah. or what you know what happens. Horvat's another tier above that, obviously. No, no, not obviously. Not, no, no, no. This is rental. There's a market to rent, and who's got more pressure now, me to overpay on a rental, or you to get it's rid of them for, for nothing, mm-hmm. or watch you get feathers. Jeff's right. If I picked up what he was implying, uh, they should trade him now. Like, before he gets hurt, well, he has the most value. Like, before the game against the Flames today. They should trade him at okay. 442. Which okay. is a TNT game. And, and here's, here's an issue Strange. in itself. Look at your, look at your, your, your standings, and okay. you tell me who needs to, to buy Bo Horvat now. I guess the Leafs aren't in any hurry, are they? No. Capitals? They use Bo Horvat? Maybe. Maybe. Colorado? Colorado? Colorado is kind of the one that keeps coming up. But, yeah, there's not many teams. Boston. You're right. So if you can't go get what you want to get, Boston, Boston beats is, everyone all the Boston's time. Boston's in no rush. And here's the Florida? other thing that I don't they think we, we mentioned that, you know, Vancouver doesn't want to eat money. So Boston cannot take... Bo Horvat, even though that they're going to need somebody. Vancouver's not going to need money for half a season? No, they're not. They don't want any money. They, as of now, yeah. they may have to, but they don't want to take any money on. any contender is going to be like... So who tell... Yeah, who, who can take him on without needing to get money off a of payroll? Yeah, nobody. Well, not many teams. Not many. But and, he, and you're going to wait for him in the summer if you're... There is that too, that, that, that return could be greater by retaining money. I could help Vancouver out too. But they would have to admit that they're not trying to make the playoffs then, which they just refuse to do. Even talking to Jeff, and you know, he's saying, I'm you know, not going to say they're out of it yet. A lot of runway left. Their winning percentage is 482. It's a bad team. What are you? What kind of fight are you trying to win here? You want to? Well, I think there's a pretty common theme here throughout every single management group that's been in there in the last decade. They're not all thinking we have to get the final playoff spot here. They're not all thinking the same thing. Right? Like, there's somebody telling them. Yeah. Like, you don't think one of these teams, you don't think Alvin would want to blow it up and rebuild? You don't think the who was oh, before any him? new management group would love Benning? that. That buys you four free years if you say we're starting over. Benning, like, everybody crapped all over him, but he probably wanted to blow it up. He probably wanted to. Why do you think he traded for Garland and an OLE? We're having the Aquilini and, talk, and you, are we? And you've been trying forever to get rid of Connor Garland. You cannot give him away was right it, now oh, didn't in they that contract. did him, like, the day after they got him? Yeah. Or quickly after? You know which one really, like, stings hard right now? Is it Tyler Myers? No. 
Is it Arizona? O E L. O E L. Yeah. Take a look at what what's left on that deal. Well, the guys they traded to Arizona would be gone by now. It was like Jay Beagle. Like would they be off? Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel and all these guys that would be. Oh, Louis Erickson, wasn't it? Mm. But those guys would just be off the cap, and they would just have that cap space. Wow. OEL has. Oh my God. One, two, four more years at seven two. No more Kipper. Eight two. Oh, am I reading it wrong? And he hasn't. Oh, been... I'm, I'm sorry. I was looking at Tyler Myers. Oh, no. <laughs> Is he making seven? Oh, my gosh. I thought he was six. No, he's six. He's six. Seven, Man. two. Oh, I'm, yeah, I was right. Seven, two. Did mm. I say seven, one? Who are you talking about here? OEL. I'm Oliver looking at Ekman Larson. I'm looking at Oliver Ekman Larson, who signed a eight-year, $66 million contract. Yes. On July 1st, 2018. Just Seven point two six left till twenty six twenty seven. It's eight point two, eight point two five on cap friendly on the AAV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. there's a there's yeah. a bonus involved somewhere. Yep. Yeah, the AAV is eight point two five for one. And then two, you got. Three, another I'm seeing year. what Kipper's seeing. What? I got I'm another year. Seven point two six as well. I got another year at uh, cap friendly for Tyler Myers at six million. Like that's. It's if like you if can't you click with on those his contract, it does say his cap hit is 8.25. Yeah, it is 8.25. It is. Yeah. All right, yeah, something's but going on But that one there. was, he was supposed to come in and be a difference maker. Everybody was. Everybody said if this guy was not in Arizona, mm-hmm. he would run for a Norris. Right. Do you remember that conversation? I do. Uh, yeah. Arizona well, retained 990,000. Oh, the, uh, there's some retention for Arizona. So Ooh. the Canucks hit is 7.2, whatever. Not even a million they could get retained. No. There, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's interesting. So, so, yeah, that is certainly hurting their chances and their flexibility. And also he has a NMC, 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 no move, no move, no move all these years. Yeah. So Bergeron and Krejci will retire after this season. So Bo Horvat signing there would make sense. Would yeah, that's actually oh, a super hold, easy fit, isn't hold it? On. Is that true? Bergeron's going to retire after this? <laughs> <laughs> stop, 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 stop. What did you just say? Do you mean, uh, so uh, your your summer is going to be much better now? Yeah. If know, they do? If the Leafs win if a couple... If he wins a play- Selkie trophy if, and you think he's going to retire? The Leafs win a couple playoff rounds. I can't and, see them coming back for another year. He retires? This is will it. be the greatest summer of my life. They got to... They got to win the cup this year. That's why they came back for another shot at winning the cup. He would be one of the all-time like I don't in terms of retiring while you're still good and while you're still physically able to play. Bergeron winning a Selkie, playing like this for the Bruins and packing it in would be an all-timer for me. He doesn't seem like the guy that wants to just keep hanging on oh, year I by year. That. I respect that. I, but yeah, he, I love it too. Yeah. Kipper, he's not holding on. He's <laughs> unbelievable. He's one of the best players in the league and the best team in the league. I know, but he's so good and he's so smart. It's almost like, damn, I'm bored now. I, I want to go do something else. That's how cool he is. Ugh. Respectfully, he's, uh, yeah. Sickens yeah, me. Yeah, 22 points in 28 games. Slowing down a little. He's already got 10 snipes, though. Oh, yeah, he's slowing right 30. down. He's going to get 30 again this year. Slowing right Detroit, down. Detroit, lots of talk about Bo Horvat maybe really? being a fit in Detroit. Detroit, hmm. Boston, Colorado doesn't have room after this no, year. No, Colorado would be he, strictly they're a rental. renting that guy. And it, yeah, and you you don't even want to trade a first rounder unless you know it's going to be kind of 
18 to 30. Yeah. Right? You're not, you know. Not a high. Not trading a, a, a top 10, 12 first round. You don't, yeah. you don't envision if you're a team and you have that type of pick. Well, you would never give up a lottery pick. It feels pick. like Bo Horvat should be a better defensive player. Like hearing someone like Jeff talk about how he's not, you know, I, I like winning him. shutdowns. I like him a lot. Or, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Bo Horvat fan for sure. Better than Pontus Holmberg if the Leafs swung a deal, gave up some picks and uh, prospects. I like Pontus if uh, you can get him for 1-4 next year. The Pontus show today. I, I like him at 1-4 next year yeah. from uh, Kyle Dubas. By the way, Patrice Bergeron has been a captain on the Bruins since 2006. It was his second year in the league, then they gave him a letter. Third year yeah. in the league. Did you lose respect when he, um, you know... No, to protect, whatever you're going to say next. Uh, watched Vancouver uh, share a pretend Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, I didn't hear that from him. No, no, we didn't hear that from him. I'm sure that, that's that's gone now, that story, right? <laughs> yeah, so should we talk about the Bruins never losing? Uh, yeah. It's it's remarkable to me that the Leafs have not lost a, regulation, a game in regulation since... Uh, <clears throat> Sam's dead. Sam just died. Oh, no. I've been eating popcorn back here. Listen. <laughs> but I just got a kernel, and it, I just felt Buddy, I, I, One of my earlier years, uh, I was doing junior A games <laughs> with Kevin Quinn, and I'd always eat food during just the- Just Mark Sanchez yeah, eating a hot dog mid-game. No, popcorn. <laughs> and I finally got Kevin Quinn to take some popcorn, yeah. and he- Pulls a Sammy right now Just during choking. his play-by-play. Play. Oh, man. And I'm like, I'm slapping his back. I'm, <laughs> I'm lifting him upside down. I'm like, I'm not doing play-by-play, play, so you better get that kernel out of your throat. But they haven't lost since Remembrance Day, and yeah. they are still behind the Bruins. And not just behind, like, you know, three-plus Boston is two games at hand, yeah, in hand like they're three, potentially seven behind. Yeah, three points up. Um, It's just, I... Can't believe they're this good. I know. I, it is a little so surprising. So who's going to hit a skid first, Boston or Toronto? Toronto show here. Might want to answer this one wisely. The Bruins. The Bruins are due to, <laughs> <laughs> due to back it up a little yes. bit. You know, I'd love to say that if you look at their underlying numbers, they're not X, Y, Z or whatever, but, like, they're just so good. Mm-hmm. You know, it is interesting to me that Anaheim had those two defensemen, Josh Manson and Hampus Lindholm, and, you know, there was some jockeying to get them. But the two guys have been huge impacts on their respective teams. Like, the Avs don't win a cup without Josh Manson last year. And Hampus Lindholm's been unbelievable with the Bruins. Are you sure that they don't win a cup without yeah, Josh Manson? Yeah, he was Manson? that element for them. He okay. was that physical guy that right. made them tough to play back there. He hit people. I know he played 14 minutes a night or something. I no. Yeah. Okay. But I get it. He was I liked something, him. He was something they needed. Something the Leafs certainly could have used were he interested in playing in Canada. But yes, Bruins, very good. Uh, on our list See, of things to discuss. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, now, if, if you look at uh, the Boston Bruins, I, I, every time I see a highlight, I'm, I'm seeing something involved with, you know, Nick Foligno. I'm seeing uh, uh, the name A.J. Greer. I mean, they're, they just look like right now they're just rolling with yeah. everybody. Did you see the shootout goal that your boy David Pasternak scored last night? Oh, my goodness. Skipper? 
It he's is so. It's cr- like because you know he's all, just filthy. Well, all these guys with the shootouts try the same thing now, where they come in way far on the left side or the right side. They slow it right down, and then they kind of go really quick in front of the net. Did you see? Here you go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, he's still slow. You get your stick to the middle. It's the little over the power. He just about broke his wrist six times on the deke that he. Uh... I just love a little creativity, something I've never seen before, and that's close to one I've never seen before. Yeah. No, I mean, he, Kipper knows. Knows he's good. I know, but I just, I hate to praise him, but it was really I nice. love. I love that he touches the puck once or twice in the whole deke. There's yeah. so much going on with the shoulders and hands and leaning. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty nasty. Um, one yeah. thing on our list to talk about, guys, so was Ilya Samsonov gets the belt oh, yeah. we didn't for the talk, Toronto we didn't, Maple Leafs for the first clips. time. He's yeah. played 11 games at Leaf, never got the belt. Let's hear what Ilya Samsonov thought of getting the belt. A long time I wait. Half year. <laughs> you know, 11 games. I'm enjoying. I will be go sleep with this. <laughs> <laughs> It's not the Stanley Cup, but... I will go sleep to it. You can sleep with it. <laughs> I'm so happy. Time. I'm so happy. He's my favorite. He's, uh, he's better than Jack Campbell for us in interviews. Uh, in fact, he also weighed in on Mitch Marner. Uh, yeah, I just move on. Kick a guy when he's down. He Jack was our favorite, night. too. He got a win last night. He did, and he, I think he's up to a 900 save percentage in the, on the season. So kudos to It's Jim. nice that he has kind of... Played that role though, that that kind of relief a little bit. That happy element. He's the yeah. he's the levity in our little drama here. He's a he's great for us. Let's listen to him talking about. Oh. I was just going to say, like he is not. Don't over rely. We can crap all over Anaheim, but early he made some saves. Oh yeah, he made that breakaway save. Right? He actually caught and held on to. Just, he, just as a, a quick note, not up to nine hundred. He's at eight seven five. Eight seven yeah, five. Yeah. Oh, I think he was up to nine hundred for the game. What is save percentage, yeah. Jax? Eight seven five on the year. He's had to make. He'd have to make eighty eight straight saves to get oh, up. <laughs> okay. All right. There's always that. a chance because he's got Connor McDavid and Drysaddle every night. The play he, should be at the other end of the rink the whole right? time. McJesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's Samson up on Mitch Marner getting to twenty three games straight. Yeah, you remember what I said. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe. I believe for sure. A little bit more. 23, almost 50, yeah? Almost. <laughs> 23, almost 50, yeah? I love this guy. You, uh, I, I, you heard what I said. I, I think Mitch could go another 10, 15 games. Yeah, I think, I think Thursday will be a tough one. You do, eh? Yeah, Rangers are underachieving. They're a good. It's not like they're not, you know, if they're, out, they're in the second wild card spot now. They've won four in a row. They're kind of t- starting to look oh, like the Rangers man. a little bit. Mitch is getting good looks. Oh, listen. It's, and, uh, it, uh, he's like one of the best guys, players in the league. But if it's not these guys be... really bear down, like there's so many there's so many op- points that Mitch leaves on the table because guys just aren't finishing. Yeah, they scored seven times last night. You're right. Their line didn't get it. What they get? Two goals last night? Something like that? Yeah. They're right. there. Anyways. John Tavares just like... So the Marner on my line thing. How <laughs> never, long can we do that? Never change. How many right? tap-ins has he had off the you off gotta, the blue paint? It's a nice compliment because he goes there. Yes, you know, like he's a guy who parks it in the blue, and yeah. Mitch. Everyone gets their attention drawn to Mitch, and then all of a sudden John has it, and they're like, "Oh, I guess there's another he, dash." He is the point per game guy. Tavares. Tavares. Was he a thirty and thirty? His whole career, he's thirty points in thirty games. He has nine hundred and twenty-five and nine hundred and seventy-nine career games. Yeah. JP Just does a- not call him a superstar on Toronto. 
Would you say he's uh, like a good role player? No, a he, said he was added differently. The other three good were drafted. Dad. He was added differently. He's, uh, he's good an eleven million dollar plugger. Look at him. He grinds, man. He's a. I got, a, I got working his bag off. My co-host. That's that's what you respect about him, though. Is every night he is working his bag off. He like does. he digs his way to the front of the net. He's a horse on the sideboard. On the sideboards. Does whatever he's got to do to get that one point per game. Yes, sir. All right, our thanks to Mike McKenna, Jeff Patterson. Fun show today. Yep. Sellies, 800 goals. Good show. Bo Good Horvat. show today. We Give her one of these today. Yep. Uh, or or another windmill. Yeah, sure. Sell it out. All right. Want. And if you've been watching, hit the like button. Give us a rating and review as well. We love to hear from you. We're back tomorrow on Real Kipper and Born. Have a safe night, everybody.